We were discussing this at length, how um, just strapped and uh, overextended the um, medical system is right now and just the burnout that's happening, especially with nurses. We've got a nursing shortage. We desperately need nurses in the province. And uh, we constantly hear that things just aren't getting better. So it's amazing to me when you read that the Toronto Star is focusing on the fact that there are hundreds of potential foreign trained nurses who want to work in Canada. Some of them are actually working in the States right now, are from Canada, and they're caught in this backlog at the National Nursing Assessment Service, which is a Canadian non-for-profit, which allows um, basically vets and authenticates uh, academic credentials. They're caught in this backlog, and so they can't be hired by any of our hospitals to help out with the healthcare system. Carl Flecker is a senior manager of policy advocacy at the uh, World Education Service, and he joins the show now to talk about the uh, delay. Welcome to the program. Good to have you on. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for having me. Appreciate that. I think people are amazed that we have professionals, people with skill sets that are ready to go, that just can't seem to get hired to help alleviate the strain on our current nurses and help us with this nursing strategy. Can you run down what is actually causing this delay? Yeah, thank you, Kelly. You know, it's a complex problem, and it's not something that's just popped up because of COVID. The pandemic has amplified something that's been longstanding. There are problems in three main areas, um, and one of them you touched on, which is the assessment process. Uh, the length of time that it takes for an internationally trained uh, healthcare practitioner or internationally trained nurse to get their credentials assessed. Another can be, and often is, is their immigration status. Quite often, many health professionals are caught in um, uh, a real battle between what particular immigration status has brought them to Canada. That might be a temporary work permit. It might be a study permit. It might be permanent residence. Uh, might be the PNP program, provincial nominee program, but each of these immigration status can also come with barriers that prevent them from accessing career laddering or potential opportunities to re-enter their career. And another important component uh, to take into mind here is that the the labor market has to integrate nurses and other health professionals in a way that's commensurate with their skills. And there, we're seeing from the available data there is a skew that's happening based on race, gender, and immigration lines. For example, in long-term care, it's very evident that women are pulling the load in in long-term care. They're in the front lines. There's also a very uh, marked uh, racial skew with racialized women, and particularly immigrant women, racialized immigrant women, um, working in positions that are below their their training and qualifications. So again, this 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 comp this this challenge that we're facing is not just one particular area. Uh, it's a number, and that therein lies also the solution. So what is the solution? Well, I think we could summarize it in, in three ways. We need systems-wide changes that better integrate and support internationally educated health professionals. We need government action at all levels. Like if you stop and think about it, the federal government opens our immigration pathway doors, but people are then dealing with the regulatory bodies of employers at the provincial or territorial levels, and there are other impediments at that level. And we also, as you mentioned in your beginning, you know, we need to have improvements in the registration and licensure process. You know, the, I think the agencies that are there that are dealing with that are interested in, in doing a, a timely job, um, but there are resource questions. There's uh, huge numbers of people. There's the need for digitization. 
there is the need also to to take a look and saying, are the questions that we're asking, are they competency focused? Uh, as opposed to in some professions, there had been a fixation with, you know, uh, wanting people to have Canadian experience. And that can sometimes be a proxy um, for um, for something else. And so we need to to have the regulatory bodies take a look at their systems and say, are we asking the right questions? Are we making sure that the processes that we require for public health and safety are such that an applicant doesn't lose their recency of experience? They're in nursing, for example, to have three years of safe practice before you're able to make your application pass through. You want to make sure that your process isn't going to cut into that three-year timeline. Is that making sense? That's interesting. Yeah, that's absolutely making sense. So this is, you know, I think when people hear this and they hear about people international uh you know, uh, nurse, the idea of um, uh, making people that are nursing elsewhere uh, available to our Canadian medical system. Uh, I think people look at it and think, well, maybe we're not going to get the same level of experience. That's just not the case. No, it's not at all the case. In fact, the Institute for Canadian Citizenship did a survey this past year that showed a very high, close to 80% of Canadians who were polled were very comfortable with people who are internationally trained providing quality of care. And and the, the rigors that are taking place in other institutions and training colleges around the world are a significant standard. Of course, we want to have a system that makes sure that there's an equivalency and that we have that. Um, but we're not getting a lesser product by going internationally. And we have to also take a look saying right now in our healthcare system, somewhere in the neighborhood of 24, 25% of our healthcare system is made up of newcomers. Now that's mm-hmm. only going to grow. Um, for example, the World Health Organization has projected that by 2030, we're looking at a global shortfall of healthcare workers that is in the neighborhood of 18 million people. You know as well, you've seen the crisis in the Canadian healthcare system where nurses are, are, are making the alarm bells of leaving their professions post-pandemic in very large numbers. So we have a combined uh, situation descending. You know, coming out of the pandemic, we're seeing an exodus of healthcare workers. We're going into a global shortage of healthcare workers. And we have a population that is aging and our healthcare needs are increasing. So if governments, regulators, colleges, internationally educated health professionals, service providers have to come together now, and that's the role of government to convene these stakeholders to come together and say, we need to have a human healthcare resource strategy that looks at what's coming down, and we need to be able to put people into jobs, commensurate with their skills and abilities, and we need to be mindful of the gender, race, and immigration factors that can create uh, discrimination in the workplace and and result in underutilization of the very people that we need to stay here. Because quite frankly, they're going to look around their, their global opportunities and they're going to say, where can I move into my career with efficiency in a timely manner? And that's where I'm going. Yeah, a lot of these people that are qualified uh, to be nurses and help out right now, in our system are settling for uh, PSW work. And it's not that that's not valid work and important work. It's just that it is, uh, it, it doesn't need the same level of qualifications. That's right. The underutilization of internationally educated health professionals is really alarming here in Canada. Um, and, and, you know, there's dignity in all work. But, and people I've worked with many healthcare professionals who are willing to, you know, train doctors who are willing to start off as physiotherapists because they want the foot in their door. Well, 
we have to do a better job of being able to say if you've uh, you know if you've practiced healthcare uh, in other places of the world, what's a, a better way for us to be able to do that assessment? Um, you know, the Medical Council of Canada operated, uh, oversaw a program called Practice Ready Assessment, which is a concept that can be applied also to nursing and other professions. And basically what that is, is a 12-week assessment program to be able to say, hey, if you sliced and diced in Dubai, can you slice and dice here? And, um, you know, pardon my, my crude version of the skill sets, but... It's doctor but, talk, uh, we all know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, if, if you are able to do the job in yeah. another environment and sure. you have a supervising physician or nurse overseeing you to be able to affirm that, can it be done in a timely manner? And seven other jurisdictions in Canada have said, yes, practice-ready assessment is a viable tool. What's the scale? Yeah. It needs to be a much bigger scale. And, of course, that needs resources. It needs what, you know, it's called preceptors or mentors, supervisors. The, the regulatory bodies, I think in the, the articles you see in National Nursing Assessment, saw a huge spike in, in applications. Well, if you get 7,000 applications in your inbox, you're going to need some resources to be able to do that in a 12-week time period. No? Yeah, and I think what we've seen, I know that the World Health, uh, World Education Service was one of 50 organizations that have signed this open letter during the federal election to call for a national strategy to address the barriers uh, what we've seen through the pandemic is that we can move quickly. Government has been notorious for moving slowly forever. And then we saw when, uh, you know, everything hits the fan, they have to make decisions quickly and they can. So they've already set precedent. I think this is something that we really need to focus on. I'm with you. I don't want to end up in a situation where uh, my surgery or anybody listening right now that finds they're diagnosed with something and they have to get surgery, their surgery is postponed because we do not have the, uh, the support staff, the nurses to help, you know, you recover and help you in the operating room and beyond. Yeah, that's right. I mean, what you've just put your finger on is this is a systems wide issue. And, and you know, do doctors and nurses immediately come to mind, but dentists, pharmacists, lab techs, there's a, the whole human healthcare resource system is predicated on tens of thousands of people that need to be in place. Now, domestically trained folks are, of course, going to make a component of that, but we also know that those who are internationally trained are bringing experience. They are here in Canada. So we have to take a look and say, what what are we going to be able to do to, to, to move those folks into the positions that are commensurate with their skills and abilities? And you just mm -hmm. put your finger on something else. The pandemic has changed everything. It is possible to see a different world. It is possible to act in a different way. But the pandemic isn't over. And that healthcare crisis that I mentioned globally, it's just around the corner. So now is the time to be able to say to for government to show the political will, as they have done in some cases. Manitoba and Ontario, for example, recently made some announcements making a portable benefit available to internationally educated nurses, maybe increasing capacity in training in schools. Now, those are all good first steps, but now is not the time to make half measures. Systems-wide changes that I mentioned are needed to be able to integrate the internationally educated healthcare professionals into the system, to convene the various stakeholders. You can't just bring one group of, of decision makers to the table, be it regulators or educational facilities, Everybody needs to be at the table because the solutions are going to be found there. And that includes the voices of those who are internationally trained as well.
Carl, before I let you go, I think I want to touch on something that I just uh, just occurred to me while we were t- talking about this. And w- let's get back to the nurses, if we could, uh, for a second. One of the things that I thought uh, that that once we do bring these people on and make sure that they are able to uh, practice here in Canada, it is not only going to uh, alleviate the burden on the nursing uh, the nurse nursing staff that we have now, but it also could affect their morale. Because if you've been held back from, you know, doing what you love to do and what you're qualified to do, and finally someone says, okay, go, they're going to bring a sense of, of vigor and, uh, and, and verve that we're missing right now because our, our healthcare workers are stressed. Yeah, no, you're right. There's, there's actually a legal concept called moral distress. And, and sadly, I fear that, you know, we're going to start seeing situations where healthcare professionals are in moral distress because they're unable to be able to do what they've been trained to do. And that actually has a legal liability implication to it. But beyond those concerns, the the mental health and well-being of of nurses and doctors who spent their lives training to be Mm. able to care for others, of course they're going to be able to feel better. But think of it from the patient care perspective as well. As our population becomes more diverse, different cultures approach illness, sickness, and death differently. So to have people who have linguistic skills, cultural sensitivity to the nature of our our bodies failing us and becoming chronically ill and, and eventually dying, those that's another aspect of healthcare beyond just, you know, the beeping lights and the importance of keeping the heart ticking. It's it's the mind and the soul of the person as well. So there's a there's a flip side as well. Improving the integration of internationally educated health professionals will improve patient care. Carl, thank you very much for joining us. I think you've uh, provoked a bunch of interesting conversations that will ensue around the dinner table and beyond uh, with this conversation with myself. Thank you so much. No problem. Keep it up. Have a great day. Carl Flecker is Senior Manager of Policy Advocacy for the World Education Service.